This is Carrie and Summer with the Say My Name podcast that gives a voice to women's stories. It's my story, it's your story, it's our stories of pain and healing. Welcome to episode 10 of the Say My Name podcast, part of the Say My Name project. On this episode, we welcome Debbie Bauer, who has suffered Munchausen by proxy at the hands of her mother during all of her childhood and most of her adult life. We are so grateful that she has had the courage to open up about this very personal and very real struggle. Essentially, this is the first time that she's ever really told her story outside of a therapy room. If you have questions or want more information on Munchausen or Munchausen by proxy, we have included website information on the podcast description tile. Welcome to the Say My Name podcast, part of the Say My Name project. We're so excited to have my amazing and wonderful friend, Debbie Bauer, here with us. And she's my friend, too. (laughs) I introduced you to her. (laughs) <laughs> but Equal we friends. go out a lot together now. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> we FaceTime all day. <laughs> okay, Debbie, say hi. Hello. <laughs> what we know about you is that you have a significant story, just like we all do, and that you've struggled with that, struggled with telling it, and you're at a point now where you're ready to share, and you're ready to open up about that, and mm-hmm. we can't wait to hear about it. Because we want to let other women know that they're not alone and that if some of the things that you went through, they've also experienced that they can come out the other side just like you have. How do you feel about telling your story? I'm nervous. Yeah. I'm nervous to tell it. It's because I'm owning it. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely, I've only ever told it in a secure setting of a therapist. So now it's getting out there. And it'll be good. Yeah. Hopefully. It will. (laughs) Pretend like we're your therapist. Yeah. (laughs) I need a couch. (laughs) We do have margaritas. That's as much as we can offer you. (laughs) That's good. And a yellow cup. So we're good. Do you really sit on a couch, though? Yeah. Like you lay down on one? No. Have you ever been to a therapist? Have you? I have, but oh. I've just been in a chair. Oh, no, a nice comfy couch. And I put a pillow, like I hold a pillow yeah. and then a box of tissues. Yeah, mm. it's good, therapeutic. Yeah. So here's my therapy tonight. Well, you're amazing. We think you're amazing. So yes, just deep breaths. Let's start at the very beginning. Let's start when you were a little girl. Talk to me about your first memories and what those were like and... All right. Well, the, the, the interesting thing, I think, about learning your story is when you look back in your past, you see it different now that you've been able to open your eyes to it. And so it, it kind of makes you feel a little less than because you're like, you're, when you're looking back as a child, you're seeing it from the outside now, you know, knowing when I was in it, I was alone and scared. Um, I had a mom who mentally abused me and um, I was telling Carrie that sometimes it's harder when you're mentally abused because you don't have the physical look 
or that specific point where you know your life changed. It's your normal, your normalcy, your whole life. And then when you finally come out of it and you realize that's not right, your whole past is sort of questioned, you know, like, did I like purple or was I told to like purple? You know, like, what birthday party did you have? I don't know. It was told to me, you know, but it was normal going through it. And uh, so, um, so as a child, I um, spent a lot of time in my bedroom and um, I played grocery store to an age that I think we probably would have made fun of me if we knew. And um, one of the movies that I used to watch on VHS was Can't Buy Me Love. And it was just someone different who wanted to fit in. And sort of unbeknownst to me, that was all I wanted. And I would pray as a little girl. We weren't very religious, but I would pray. When I come out, please let it be different. Not knowing what different was, just knowing I wanted it to stop. And it never did. So I definitely walked away from religion and just became jaded and angry. And um, the only way you could get love in my family was if you did whatever my mother, the matriarch, wanted. And at any cost to yourself, you know, if, if food hurt your tummy you ate it because it made her happy. And then you would get love from her. And she loved for us to be sick. That was her thing because then she could go around telling the neighborhood, oh, I was there for them and I took care of them and stuff. So so as a child, I definitely thought something was wrong, but I didn't know until later on in life when I sat through therapy and... Um, would look back and they would help me and stuff. And I went to therapists actually from a very young age and I loved it because it was the one person who validated me. And I think it sort of backfired on my mom because I was one of the only ones who went to therapy and out of my family, I'm the only one who has walked away. And there was always a pivotal point with the therapist that she wanted us all to sit down and then I would never see that therapist again. Mm, wow. And then we would go to another one. And then I would grow to love that one. And then mm. there would be a point where she wanted my mom and dad to come sit down or my sisters. And then we would never see that one again. So therapy was a very safe place for me. I was easily open to walking into one and stuff. So I'm very grateful for that because I believe that we should all, you know, not be afraid to go to therapy for any reason, you know, even if you're not getting along with your husband or something, you know, it's important for sometimes another person to be able to be there. Mm -hmm. Right. There's, there's quite a few different ways that you could find some type of therapy. You could find, you know, a mentor, right. um, just any kind of like a program, just something mm -hmm. you should have. I, it doesn't matter how perfect you feel your life is. Everybody can benefit from having somebody help them see their life from a different perspective or, you know, and just, and just help guide them in maybe some little spots in their life that they're feeling obstacles with. Mm -hmm. So, and then definitely for people who have had trauma in their life, and it sounds like you're started from day one and you touched a little bit on mental abuse. And then you also kind of touched a little bit on your mom enjoying you being sick. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Did those two go in hand in hand? It's a really tough 
thing for me to say because I have been told by doctors or, you know, sorts that um, my family struggles with Munchausen's disease. My one sister has Munchausen's for herself. Mm -hmm. One is you inflict it on yourself and then one is by proxy. I truly believe that my mother had Munchausen's by proxy and mentally kept me and my sisters mentally sick. In younger years in school, it was always like the teachers were like, oh, poor Debbie. And they would sit me around a table and tell me how wonderful I was and how wonderful my family was. And so I assumed I was really bullied throughout my life. And um, I think it was just her helping to feed into that so that she could look good in front of the teachers and be the woman who saved us. It's a crummy disease because no doctor will ever actually um, diagnose you because if they did and something literally did happen, they could get medical malpractice. So it is a real disease out there. It wasn't until later in my life that I learned about it um, because my sister is, I mean, she goes as far as getting cancer and telling people and to go back to the disease there, it's not a hypochondriac. They study their diagnosis so well. And when you're in a doctor's office for only like 15 minutes and you're hitting all the points and you're, wow. you're just explaining it so well, there is a point where a medical professional is going to believe you and they will go as far as getting brain surgeries and stuff. And they know they don't have it, but they feed off of the attention from it. And it is a mental disease. So with my sister having Munchausen's, that was what brought it all to my head that something's up with my family. There's something different and I'm different from them. I was told by a head neurologist in New York that my sister had Munchausen's. And how, that's, how old were you when that happened? This was uh, probably like three or four years ago. Wow. So you went your whole life not realizing this. No, not at all. I mean, I went my whole life sort of introducing myself. Hi, my name's Debbie and I'm depressed. Wow. Because that's all I knew. I was on anti-depression since I was 12. I was the kid who never went back to high school to talk to my high school friends because I thought I was bullied and depressed and I was just the person who lived with depression every single day. But when I would be away from my family, I wasn't depressed. So I don't understand. Could really college have made it that great or being away? And it was getting to college and meeting three other girls who openly spoke to me and said, you're being abused because when we were in college, not to name, you know, it was like a hot second ago, right? <laughs> we didn't have cell phones or <laughs> Facebook. We had answering machines. Mm -hmm. And so my mother did not fail to leave her messages on the answering machine. Like what? What do you mean? It's very manipulative. Um, if you sent a, I was, you know, explaining that tomorrow's my birthday. 
And so, yeah, so I'm doing this so I can yeah. rid all of we this. We love and this. And first of all, we, we do want to pause you and, and let you know, like, we see you and we honor you. Yeah. Like, this is super hard for you to talk about this because, you know, you've talked to both of us about how your birthday was something that was really painful every year. You know, your mom really did ruin that for you. So to come out and talk about this bravely with nervousness and knots in your stomach and wanting to just turn around and go, no, I'm, I don't want to do this, but yet you're here and you're doing it. We see how hard this is and we, we just want to honor you and let you know, like, you're fucking strong. Yeah, you're amazing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's what it is. When you live through trauma, there is a point. Oh, God. It's okay. That like tears. you just need to go to the scary day or the scariness and just be like, no more, like no more, you know, and I'm going to be 42 tomorrow. I only realized all of this when I turned 40. So my forties are turning out to be pretty good because I'm bringing things. It does affect obviously every one of us. It affects us so deeply every single day. And it's almost like, you have to wake up every day and remind yourself, no, they're not going to get in your head, you know, and birthdays were really hard. I mean, if you didn't say you liked the gift to her liking, it just, she berated you all day long. Did you like it? Did you, I mean, we can return it. I mean, if you don't want it, we can return it. And I find myself doing some of that to my kids, you know, and so worried about like, am I overdoing it? Am I underdoing it? You know, because I don't have that role model to look back at. And um, so if I sent a Father's Day card or I was in college and I failed to call, you know, on a birthday or an anniversary, I mean, the, the answering machine messages were just you know, that I was horrible and that I'm selfish and that, you know, and I remember my sister, when I came home from college once, we went to go out and have some drinks and she introduced me to her friends. This is my de- my sister, Debbie. She's extremely selfish and only talks about herself. I was like, oh, I, I must do that. Oh, okay. I, I should probably not do that. And when I would come back, like my friends were like, you would sit on the phone with your family and we would only hear you go, uh-huh. Oh, okay. Like they're like, you never, they never asked you. So I know that I don't talk about myself that much um, because these three college roommates that I have, if you were to sit my mother down right now, we've been friends for since 19, what, 94. They've been in my life. I've been to all their weddings, their kids. They've been to my weddings. My mother has no idea what their names are. Wow. She just doesn't, but if, gosh forbid, I didn't know one thing about her life and what she was doing, and it was just, if I sent a gift and I didn't send a card, it was, you didn't send a card. Why didn't you send a card? Because I didn't have $3 to spend on the card, but I sent a gift, (laughs) you know, and so then it would just take away the whole thought of the gift, and so birthdays and most holidays are not fun for me, even giving gifts, because I just have this like pressure on me of just such silliness, right? You know, like, I'll just take a hug, you know, just a hug or a 
hey, it's your birthday. Let's go get ice cream. You know, like it doesn't have to be about the gift and the stress and the, it has to be the perfect color. And Mother's Day was just the worst. Mm. <laughs> it was the worst. And uh, she would not do anything on Mother's Day. She would sit and you had to, you know, sort of wait on her, wait hand, on and her hand and foot. And the gifts had to be like one up. Everybody won up somebody. It was such pressure, you know, and and at the end of the night, she would tell you whether it was good or bad. So I spent my whole life wanting. I just wanted. I just wanted that mom, you know? And she was there and everyone else thought she was that mom, but behind closed doors. But I thought it was me. You know, I was broken. I couldn't keep a boyfriend. I never had like that best friend because I was the broken one. You know, I was the sad, depressed girl who locked herself in a room, played groceries and watched Can't Buy Me Love, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I'll hang out with you. (laughs) I know. I want to play that. (laughs) It's hard. And I'll tell you why, because the stories I thought were real now I question every one of them. I have to talk more sort of after the fact, but talk about my past, if that makes sense. So it was my uh, 20th high school reunion and I decided to go back. And um, I went back home and I was sitting in the kitchen and I was telling my mom how I didn't want to see these kids and all the stuff that they did to me. And I could bet you a million dollars right now. She told me all these stories. These were my stories. This was my past. Mm. And she literally reneged on everything. And I'm sitting there, you know, 30 something years old, looking at her like, wait, that didn't really happen? No, no, Debbie, you have no idea what you're talking about. Who told you that? And I'd be like, you did for the last, oh, you, that's just insane. And so it became sort of a, a mind bleep in my mind because I was like, am I really that screwed up that you, you know, there were stories that I got into a car accident as most of us do in high school. And my mother told me that the family sued them and that that's the reason why they went to college and that she, my parents had to pay all this money. And that was all I knew from, you know, high school on Now it's 20 years later. My mom's like, that never happened. It started then where my past started becoming so confusing. Like I was like, there's a story that she told me all the time that a girl had a roller rink birthday party. And when my mom drove me up to the party, the place was empty. And she took me out for ice cream. She used to remind me of the story all the time. Oh, gosh. And she used to tell me how sad she was that the girls were so mean to me and that they invited me to this birthday party and that it wasn't really there. And I kid you not, but it never happened. And that's because I'm talking to these friends now, 20 years later, mm. and they're like, that never, I never saw you like that. I've always wanted to be your friend. Debbie, your mom was crazy. Like everyone saw it except for me. And to be, to not have a past is really painful because my daughter asks me, mommy, what did you do when you were little? Or what did you want to be for Halloween? Or I don't know any of it now. Yeah. 
I can't look at her and tell her anything of it. And she doesn't understand. And I'm mad, you know, because for you to start this new part of your life, you want to put your past behind you. But when you don't even know what your past is, and if it wasn't to her expectation, then she shut you out. And that's what she's done. She shut me out. So so she's made up stories your whole life about things that have happened to you or things that people have done to you and all this trauma that you've been through that didn't happen. And to make her look good. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like it's even, um, I mean, I'm not quite sure, but it sounds a lot like narcissism and that yeah. she definitely had, you know, that perfectionism. She needed to have everything look perfect. Is that... Oh, yeah. Does, is that like... I mean, my sister was not my dad's child, um, and I didn't find that out until high school. They lied about their their anniversary so that it made it look like he was hers. And quite honestly, he was hers, her dad, since she was two, and she's six years older than me. So I didn't... I would have never known any different. Like, who cares, right? Like, she's been in my life. That's her dad. Like, yeah. good, let's go. They hid it so that she could be perfect, you know, her whole life. And then it came out. And it, when you hear what her story was, it's not really that bad of a story, you know? And it, it's actually quite a beautiful story. Like, I'm proud of her for doing what she did. I think I'm really happy to know that I did have a sister who didn't leave me every weekend. And then, cause I have two older sisters, you know, but one, we didn't have to split because of the choices my mom made. So I think she should have embraced that, you know? And, and when I told her how proud I was, she's just very shut off from it because she doesn't want anyone to know that there's an imperfection. And my older sister is still very much close to her and she's still doing it to her. So it makes it very clear for me now as the Debbie now than the little girl in the room to be able to see what she does, watch it from afar and see my niece and nephew kind of go through it where you just want to scream, like, get them out. So my older sister still feeds into my mom's Munchausen. I think there are definite pieces to my sister. Um, My nephew was on Zoloft Mm -hmm. and we were all at a restaurant she just screams across the table to his name, you know, did you take your Zoloft? You need to take your Zoloft. Don't forget to take your Zoloft. Sometimes he doesn't take his Zoloft. He needs to take his Zoloft. Don't forget to take your Zoloft. And I'm sitting there like, not the time or place. Yeah. Yeah. So they feed off of letting everyone know, you know, so she sort of does that with my mom, not in these words, but definitely felt this way my whole life. And my sister I know her and I have felt our whole life that my mom wishes she stopped at my older sister. And it's pretty clear. And she has what she has now. She has her dream now. She has her, that's good, and that's where she's at. And they feed off one another and it works. But, and I don't want to turn this into a whole, you know, like against her, you know. I believe that she has her issues and I believe anyone that does do things to people needs their sort of help. But I wasn't breaking the cycle. When I had my daughter, I 
I did everything to her that my mom did to me. And if it wasn't for my husband, who I'm with now, who helped me break that. And we had to put her through therapy. And she's only 11. And she's seen and heard things that I wish I could take back. But I'm breaking the cycle now. So so fucking powerful, woman. Yeah. So powerful. Do you see that? Because I can, I can feel that you that you have this remorse for mm-hmm. how you at the the earlier years of raising her, but you didn't know anything else at all, and thank God you had a husband that went uh, no, but y- you know what? There's plenty of people that have husbands that say no and they continue to do it. Yeah. So yes, it's beautiful that your husband was able to see and say something to you. But fuck, woman, but it was for you. you to be able to open up your eyes and go, you're right. Yeah, I mean, she was the best blessing. I mean, in fact, when I found out we were pregnant with her, I would not find out if she was a girl or a boy because I desperately could not have a girl mm. because I didn't know how to have that mother-daughter relationship. Mm. And we didn't find out. And when she came out and she was a girl... I actually had postpartum. Yeah. I couldn't connect, you know, and um, it was her who's, she was placed in my world yeah. to get me away from her. Have you and, snap out of it? Yeah, because to see her face and to see her, her fear when I questioned everything she was doing, you know, do you want to go to McDonald's or Burger King? She said Burger King. Are you sure you want to go to Burger King? Because we can still go to McDonald's. Do you, do you want to go to McDonald's? And she would be like, I don't even know. Where do you yeah, want me to go? So much stress. And to see her, I saw my child. I saw me and her mm-hmm. trying to be like, wherever you want to go, mom, let's just go where you want to go. So you're happy because I, I just need you to be happy. Yeah. And when I started seeing her do that for me, I was like, oh my gosh, that is what I did. My whole, That's what I'm doing right now, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And when I would go back to my parents with my children, the the chain that went was make my mom happy at whatever cost to my children and Brad. Mm. So I would go into the bedroom and be like, you guys have to be quiet because I just, I need to make sure grandma's happy because I would get the wrath from her. And then like, so I would just like put the fear in them because I had the fear in me and it was just the worst cycle. And so I see the cycle that people can get in and it is a comfort. It's your norm. Yeah. Getting out of the cycle is scary because it's not your norm. And it's it's like being on a ledge, you know, and you you have nothing there. And family is so hard to be the the trauma because it's all we know. And I know that we all grow and get married and have these new nuclear families, but when you take your past, you sort of feel so like, holy cow, I just got shot out of a cannon and I don't know where I'm landing, but I'm just going to do it. It's kind of nice to be shoved in that cannon because you can feel all your sides, even though you're cramped and you're tired, you know, hot and stuff. So I know it's silly, <laughs> silly, silly. I'm going to lighten it up a little bit that. here. When I was younger, it was normal, you know? Um, It wasn't until I sat with therapists who'd be like, do you realize that's not normal? Mm -hmm. And then I would be like, oh. um, So for a while, you know, my mom stayed at home and did odds and end jobs. But when I was little, she used to 
have a video recorder or like a no a cassette recorder and she would leave me a message on the cassette recorder I would record my message to her and it was in attempt to her connecting with me because if she was working late or she was doing an odd and end job while I was like home or whatnot but she would then use them against me I didn't know that until I sat in front of a therapist and would tell them. And then she would be like, that's manipulating. That's holding control over all of your words. That's her being able to throw your words literally back in your face. And that's what would happen. As a young child, you may say to your kid or your mom, like, oh, I didn't say that. And, you know, they're kids, right? Yeah. You know, like we don't remember everything we say, or maybe we say it, but we don't even really know that those words exactly mean that. I mean, she would rip the the recorder out and be like, no, you did not. You said exactly these words, you know, and you just, so a lot of the feelings I had were, oh, it's so hard sometimes to talk about this. Um, it's when you want love so bad. And when you finally get it, it feels icky. It feels um, dirty, kind of, you know, like you almost, you had to sell yourself in order to get it. I cannot tell you how many times I had to apologize when I knew I was right. And not for the lack of being right or not, but, you know, oh, you're right, mom. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said it like that. I'm so sorry. Can you forgive me? Mom, I'm so sorry. And then the next day, did you forgive me? I'm so sorry. I have to watch myself. I get so angry sometimes. I'm so, like you had to find the right word. I'm, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm tired or, you know what, mom, I'm just really depressed and I'm trying to fight through it. And then that would be like her thing. You are you know, you are depressed and this is why you do say these things. And it's like, she would find the one thing, mm-hmm. but quite honestly, it was the right then and there. It was the love. It, the fight was over. I got my mommy back. I found the right words. I pleased her. Okay, good. We can go a few more days. Mm-hmm. And it's scary to talk about this now too, because I always thought I'd never speak about it until she was passed. Mm-hmm. And I've always... I'm going to say something that maybe a lot of people think, but no one says it and maybe nobody thinks it, but I, I'm, I look forward to the day yeah. when she's passed yeah. because she's truly going to see me. Yeah. That's when she's going to see me. That's when she's going to say, oh, she wasn't that crazy person. Because I would question all the time. If I'm so depressed and crazy and psycho, like why do I have so many friends? Why do people stay in touch with me? Why am I in weddings? Why am I a hairdresser and people come back to me? They can go to anyone, you a know? A damn good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we like our hair. We love our hair. <laughs> so it was questions like that that I was like, when she goes away, she's going to be up there and she's going to be looking and mm-hmm. that is when she's going to truly see me. And I yeah. think... A lot of people probably feel that way. I mean, I would think so, Mm -hmm. right? You know, I mean, it's never going to, I don't feel like the pain is going to go away until she's gone. It's, you're being very brave by doing this. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Do you feel like when you interact with other people and you get in that similar kind of a conflict, do you do the same thing with other people or was it only with your mom? That's such a good question. And it's so... Really, honestly, my entire life up until about 
40, you know, when I really, when I was in therapy and I was basically throwing up and she said, you have to say you're abused. And I couldn't say it. I was like, I can't say it. Every friend that I became close with mimicked my mom to a T. And then I would get my heart broken and Brad would just pick me up off the floor. Every single friend. And so I pick them now, but I learned... <laughs> I think I'm right across from me. <laughs> or maybe I don't because I <laughs> I mean I picked I mean them, we are kind of cool. We're like we the best. pay you. We yeah, friend. we do pay you actually. So I guess we're wait, are we friends? <laughs> yeah, so um so I was taught that I love really hard because I want it so bad. So when I find a friend and that friend is hard for me to get the love, it's like a conquer for me because if I can turn them, then it's like turning my mom. Or at least that's what I paid my therapist to tell me. (laughs) Oh yeah. But it made sense. Your therapist has some wise words. I mean, that's... Yeah. So when did you feel a shift then in the type of friends that you were attracting mm-hmm. in, your, in your life? Was it when you had that realization, yeah. oh my God, my mom has Munchausen? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. La- my f- year when I turned 40 was probably the most oh, eye-opening year. And it just, it, I looked back at all my past and saw, oh yeah, they're exactly like that person, you know? And and how funny is it that they make my tummy feel just like she does, you know, and she did and everything. And then the ones who really did love me, I kind of pushed away yeah. because I was, it was weird. It was icky. It didn't mm-hmm. seem right. You know, the, familiar. No, and your, it's very hard. Yeah. Very, very sick and twisted. Yeah. And it's very hard too. I have some friends going through some pretty hard times right now. And I, uh, I was sort of looking back on it to my husband and said, it's so funny. I, when friends are going through a hard time, I retreat Mm. because my mother was the person who was knocking down their door with gifts and food and making sure everyone knew that she was the one, you know, and I don't even know how to like Mm. make dinner for them because I'm like, I don't want to be that person, you know? So there's this really weird abusiveness inside of me that I so badly don't want to be here that I'm nothing. The other thing that happens with people with Munchausen's going back to a question you had asked earlier, feelings and people that might not know, is um, we tend to never go to the doctor. We have to be at a 11 to a 20 in order to go because I'll be danged. Can we say damned? Damned. Oh, we can say fuck. I'll be damned (laughs) if I'm going to go into a doctor and they're going to tell me I'm okay. Oh no, 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 no. Cause then I'm crazy. I'm just like her, you know, I'm just like them. So I have had, you know, kidney stones to the point of explosion. I've had, you know, like things that you just wait. So I've learned that children of Munchausen's, cause like I said, it's hard. There are books out there. I mean, even Dr. Phil did a thing on it once. People haven't been able to really come out about it. Because they've been so brainwashed into thinking, no, this is the way of life, like you did for so right. for forty years of your life. You thought that was normal. Some people go their entire life, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's hard as a provider. So I've seen it in my practice. It is very taboo. Mm-hmm. How do you report that, I know. and in what way? 
it's crazy. Yeah. And if, and a lot of times it's mental too. So, you know, there was a case of a a young girl who the mom put, kept her in a wheelchair. Do you remember that? And she ended up killing her. We don't see any of the physical stuff. It's It's the the mental stuff. And And it's so sad that that for the kid, the only way we get love is to, to feed into it. So you just, you almost don't know how to love. Like when you're done, you don't know. I put a lot of pain on my husband for years because what pain I took after I hung up the phone with my mom that I couldn't Mm. yell at her because I needed to, I needed her love. She was my mom, right? You know, I would just throw it all up on him. I mean, he shouldn't even be sitting next to me, you know, well, he's not sitting next to me, but you know what I mean? You know, one could see us. (laughs) So here's my question about that is, you know, we attract people into our lives that we're familiar with. So all of a sudden you have Brad in your life. So how did you perceive that situation? Because you attracted friends and you're like that mirrored your mom. Yeah, you know, that is probably the one question in my life that I truly believe in a higher power. Because uh, not only should he not be in my life or I shouldn't have found him, he shouldn't be still here. And he's taken a beating. It's 21 years. And he has his story, you know, um, not like mine, but we both have our, you know, family issues. Um, And sometimes I always say, it's so crazy that like, we both don't have like grandparents for the kids, but maybe that's why we were supposed Mm -hmm. to be there. I think he's learned to be a person through watching it. It was definitely hard. He stopped going to to visit them. But I just think he knew. I mean, I wish I'd love to ask him. I think he knew I just I just wanted to be loved from my mom and my dad. He said it very good a couple of years ago, which was definitely something. Um, he said, you're mourning the family you never had. Mm-hmm. And that is literally, I wanted that family on television. And again, it's what everyone outside thought I had. So again, it was a mind fuck because I was like, you all think that this is, but this is not what's going on. And yet I didn't want to ever throw my family under the bus because I love that people thought that. Going back to what my turning point was, my college roommates and I, decided to go to uh, Chicago for my 40th birthday. It was uh, November 3rd, we left. And it just so happened that the Chicago Cubs won the World Series on my 40th birthday. Oh my God. And we were flying into town. And I I know my girls will listen to this one day, but they didn't have a clue. (laughs) They're like, what's going on? I'm like, the Cubs won the World Series. I'm pretty sure one of them was like, what is that? (laughs) That would be nice for the (laughs) I was like, that would be the baseball game that was played on television that the whole world watched. (laughs) What's baseball? But we went into, yeah, exactly. Sea of blue and like all we are in like red and green shirts. (laughs) And yeah, it was pretty good. But uh, we had all got back to the uh, Airbnb and asked if uh, we, you know, had some wine and we started talking and we were catching up and they asked me, how's your mom? How's it going? And I started talking and my one girlfriend who is very open to not being a fan of her just, you know, with her wine glass was like, oh my gosh, you've been telling the same story for 20 years. And she's like, nothing's changed. 
And we went about the whole weekend and I was like, she is so right. I have been telling the same thing that keeps happening to me for 20 years with them and then some in my own life. Oh my gosh. Well, that was the last time I've ever spoken to my mother. That was like the point where I was like, I am not doing this anymore. And that's when I came home and went to therapy like hardcore. And so that was the last time. And even on the plane ride, if you could read the text messages, that's what I should have done. Had you guys read all the text messages, you really could have gotten a good glimpse into what uh, the craziness is. What story were you telling them that night with your glass of wine? What story was the same for 20 years? So... Okay, I'll tell you the story. This was the the breaking point, and this is basically the encompass of my forty years. My, if I come home to for, from Arizona to New York and I go to visit my family, it was always when it was good for my sister. You know, I was like, well, I'm flying across the United States. Nobody has a job but me. (laughs) But it was like, well, and and you would call and say, okay, I'm going to come this day and this day. And she's like, well, Christy was going to do her laundry on Thursday. So could you come like the following week? Yeah, it was like crazy. So I was like always normal, you know, even the day of my wedding, my sister wanted me to move back my pictures because our son needed to take a nap. And I was like, um, yeah, it's not going to work like that. Wow. So we went, we always go into New York city, you know, um, spend the night there or whatever. And it was the summer and at first my sister was going to go, then she wasn't going to go. And then the kids, they, they were going to do this and that, and they were just finishing school. And it was just like, okay, whenever we go, we go. And it was right around close to Rory's birthday. And I, for whatever reason, my little daughter thinks going to Macy's is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so I was like, okay, we'll go to Macy's. So we got to the city, we walked around, we went to Central Park. And my sister said, uh, I could tell my mom was getting tired you know, she's tired and I still needed to protect her, always have to protect her, you know? And so I said, let's, we should probably head back and go get something to eat. Do you guys want to get something to eat? And so within seconds, my mother was like, she just started yelling at me. She's like, well, you said you were hungry. And and, and I, I didn't know that we were hungry, but we're hungry. And I was like, okay, well, it's six o'clock. So it's probably a good time to leave the zoo and, you know, head to go get some food. So we went to go get food and they always sit them for my sister, my mom, and my niece and nephew. And then it's like always me and my kids, you know? And so I had a stroller for Sawyer still because he was still little. Well, it was only two or three years ago, but New York City is a big thing to walk around. So I'm like struggling in with this, you know, and we sit down and we get some food and we go back to the hotel and I had upgraded the hotel room because again, I'm always the one to try to make everybody better, you know, like... And it turned out that the hotel room wasn't really a suite with a bathroom. It was sort of a little different. So I had told the kid, the fan, them, I was like, is this okay? Are you guys okay? And my sister's like, I'm going to take the master with the bathroom. My niece was going to sleep on the couch. And then me and my mom, we're going to take the two twin or queen beds with my kids. So I said, okay, well, I'm just going to take Rory to Macy's. And my mom's like, well, you know, your, your niece and nephew, they, they never get to go to a hotel. Like they just want to go to the hotel. They just want to have fun in the hotel. I'm like, okay, great. You guys hang in the hotel. I'm going to take Rory to Macy's. So I go to Macy's with Rory and lo and behold, there's my sister and my niece. What? Like what's going on? So she's like, oh, she's like, mommy went and took the boys to Kmart to get them a toy. But the very next day, we were going to the Lego store. So it's like 10.30 at night, okay? And my little guy, I know, is going to be tired. 
and he's very anal retentive. So I go to, we walk the blocks to Kmart and my mom wants to get him a sword, but the swords keep breaking and they're not lighting up. And so he's literally having a temper tantrum in the middle of Kmart. And I'm like, why are we even here? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is crazy. My mother just loses it on me in the middle of Kmart. I, 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 you know what, whatever, Debbie, whatever. And she just leaves. So we go into the hotel and my niece can't sleep on the bed. And so I go into the bedroom and my mom is crying, telling me, my sister, that I am horrible, that I am the worst child, that I'm selfish and that I'm basically a bitch. And I was like, I cannot even, and this was the first time I yelled back at them. I'm like, I have been home for everything, through the army, through everything. I have never missed a day of life of your kids. I've been through their baptisms, their birthdays. I surprised them on the sweet 16. I'm like, for you to even say that because my kid is tired and I thought we were going to sleep. I'm like, this is insane. The next thing I know is my kids are tired and they're crying and they just want to sleep both with mommy. So I ask my sister, can I sleep on the queen or the king and you and them take the queen? They say no. My sister, the next thing I know, there's a a cot coming in from one of the you know bellboys and they all go into the master bedroom. And I'm embarrassed to tell you the rest of this story because it's pretty insane. So me, Rory, and Sawyer are in this little room, like the other room. And Rory says, Mommy, I have to go to the bathroom. So I go to knock on the master because the bathroom is in there. They locked us out. So Rory and I peed in a garbage can. What? Wow. So, whoo, I'm really doing this. I'm doing this right now. Okay, I'm doing this. So the three of us slept together on a queen. The next morning we woke up, no one spoke to us. We walked through the city. They walked like miles ahead of us. I had the stroller. I had I had the suitcase. And at one point my nephew had to go to the bathroom. So we I was like, hey, there's a deli down here, and no one would respond. So we ended up going into Disney. And you know how the Disney always has the people there that help open the door? Well, they all walked in and then the door slammed on my stroller. So the lady came over and said, um, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry that that woman just slammed the door on you. I'm like, well, what's even more embarrassing is it's my mom, my sister, and my niece, but thanks. So we went in and then we were in Penn Station. So anyone who's listening and knows Penn Station, when you're waiting for your train to flip, everybody's staring at what track it's going to be on. And then when the track hits, it's like, I don't even know. It's like bees coming at you. It's not even like a herd of cows. It's like crazy. They left me. And so I had the stroller, the two kids' hands, and my suitcase. And so I got onto the railroad, which is the Long Island Railroad. And that was the day I knew my daughter was traumatized because she cried harder than any nine-year-old should ever cry because she knew she knew better than I did. And my mother tried to like, they were like a couple of carts down. And I wish she never saw me because she would have never known if we made on it, but she did see me. So she moved. So Rory and I stood and just held each other and Sawyer was in the um, car seat and she kicked us out. And almost every July for 
at least eight or nine years, at some point, she would kick us out of the house. What? And so Rory, me, and Sawyer would have to find a hotel. And so going back to my high school reunion, that 40th reunion, Brad had flown back home to go to work. Then she kicked us out. So I had to call Brad from a taxi cab, which isn't taxi cabs. It's like finding a taxi in Anthem. Like you just don't find them where we live. And so Brad flew overnight, paid an obscene amount of money to come to me in the hotel. And I was just crying. And then I went to the 40th reunion with friends and 20th. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank gosh. You're not that right. Yeah. <laughs> Woo, I look good. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a lot of abuse in the sense that I still put myself there, you know, because I wanted to be loved. Did you hope every single year that she wouldn't kick you out that year? I hope still to this day that she wouldn't kick me out. I hope every single morning when I wake up that she would, she'll wake up. Because I want a lover. I want a mom. I want a grandma. I want to talk about past. I want to sit around the kitchen table and break bread, you know? I will want that for the rest of my life. I will go to my grave wanting that. And I will never understand why I got chosen not to have that. And that is something I'm going to have to come okay with. I don't understand why, why me, like, you know, and I think anyone feels that way with trauma, you know, and it sucks when you really can't answer that. You have to just be okay with it. I'm not a hundred percent there yet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're so amazing and beautiful. <laughs> you guys and your so story yeah. is beautiful. You said that when you were 40 years old, that's when you decided I'm not talking to her anymore. What was the experience that made you go, nope, not doing it? So right after that experience, I left um, from New York. I left. My mom called me, and that's from July until my I turned 40. So from July until November. She didn't call you This was calling. November. No, this was calling nonstop. And she oh, was she telling was me. You yeah. And she was telling me she wasn't going to take sides, but that I was horrible and I needed to apologize to my sister. And what were you thinking? I was thinking, this is it. This is yeah. my life. It's always me like, apologizing. Bye. Bye. And that very day when I got home from New York, my father has never spoke to me since then. Has never said, he's never even called and said, so it's a good thing for me and Brad, because I was like, if I ever get into a fight with the kids, you call and find out your side of the story. Cause he has never called me to be like, what happened? You know? And my mother told me I chose selfishness over apologizing to my sister and it, she would stop at nothing until I apologized. So we would text And the texts were literally, I mean, I still have them on my phone. I do. They are literally me saying, please, let's just stop this. I I just want to put all this behind us. I'm proud of you guys for being my parents. I love you guys. Could we just, you know, start over again? The text after would be like her yelling at me for like something I didn't do for my dad's birthday in October. And it was like, after talking to my friends and then quite honestly, handing my texts to my therapist, And her dissecting them with me and being like, this is crazy. Like, 
you're literally saying, I'm sorry, please let's stop. But I'm not gonna call my sister, you know? It was the texts and it was the Rory in the train. I, she won't go back there ever again. Like I went back in February, two years ago, with just Rory for a baby shower and we stayed in an Airbnb and it was really scary for me, but I was like, I'm gonna show her we can go back to Long Island, even though we don't have to go see them. And it was just her and I in the car, we would rent, we'd drive. The stories she would tell me that my mom did to her were, yeah, total manipulative. And she's so cute because she's like, you know, mom, I knew if I gave grandma like a certain look, like that I was disappointed she would give me more because she was trying to buy her love. And she would tell Rory all the time, you know, your mom is sick and she's always depressed and, you know, you could always call me. And like, I went through a lot of anger and I still do. Anger, sad, mad, depressed. Like, I don't know that I'm depressed. I'm happy where I'm at. I just, I'm angered that... Mm -hmm. I have to have this story. Our healing is like an onion. Mm -hmm. You're constantly peeling away new layers. Mm -hmm. And it's not linear. It's very circular. Mm -hmm. We can come back to certain experiences, but just at a different level. But it feels like, fuck, Deeper. why do I keep going back to this? To spiral. Yeah, I love healing. that. It feels like we're not getting anywhere, but we are. Right. Yeah. Because we're diving deeper into who we really are. And we're reclaiming those parts of ourselves that we have forgotten and that we never really realized were there. And so as we heal and go deeper and deeper within mm -hmm. ourselves, then we find the beauty and the treasure that's down there. Right. That's deep within ourselves. I think another thing that people shouldn't be afraid of is to think that we're just bitching, you know, like, yeah, we all have our days with our moms and our dads, you know, it's when your days with your moms and your dad, you question it and it feels so icky and everything, you know, because like I said, there's not that one specific time. It's just so much on top of it, you know, and you, you can put that onion aside mm -hmm. and be like, I'm not going to peel that it. because yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, the normal of the abuse seems so warm it seems so familiar. Yeah. And that's what we return to. We return to what feels familiar, mm -hmm. even though it's not necessarily right or good. It's what we know. Yeah. And so it feels safe because it's familiar. And sometimes I would try to go back and be my own self mm -hmm. to her. But when you're in it so deep, sometimes you just can't have that in your life and you have to walk away from it. And I think that's another thing. I think people think like, I'll go back and be different, you know? If you can't go back and be different, then don't go back anymore, you know? And it's okay. It's okay to do that. Mm -hmm. And there are more and more stories of people that I hear that don't speak to their parents and stuff. And so that's interesting, you know? I don't want that to happen to my kids. You touched a little bit on how you, just why me? Why did I get this mom? Why did I get this life? But have you ever thought maybe you possibly chose that experience because you wanted to feel the contrast of what it was like to not have a mother love you the way that you wanted so that you could know that so like to its ultimate core and depth so that you could be the opposite for your children and you could break the cycle mm. that possibly her mom did it to her and their yeah. mom did it to, you know I have thought about that yeah back. 
and that uh, obviously it's going along with your sisters, you know, yeah. or, or your sister, and that yeah. you are here to break the cycle. Mm-hmm. That's good. I like it, but I would have liked to choose someone else. I know. Yeah, absolutely. And I do, life. yeah, I do think a lot of times <clears throat> we do find so much joy, if you will, in how we can bring up our kids, you know, because we have so many conversations. Like if I ever fight with my kids, you make sure you call and you get the idea too. You know, like who would ever really have that conversation Mm -hmm. if you didn't have that pain or whatnot? It is interesting though, when you see the person who does trauma to you still living their life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Still going about their days and stuff, you know? Do you ever hear from your mom? Does she try and contact you anymore? So I'm blocked her on all, you know, forms, but she could connect with me on Facebook, but she hasn't. She does little things, which again, I don't want it to sound like I'm bitching, but like they are the big things. Rory's birthday was in August and she sent a check. And the funny thing is, is most people would be like, oh, wow, your mom reached out and sent you a check. No, the check has so much mm-hmm. to it because mm-hmm. the check is they cashed it. Look, everyone, they cashed it. Mm-hmm. She cashed it or she never even cashed it. See, I sent a check and she mm-hmm. never even yeah, cashed it. It, it. it had nothing to do with my win. daughter. It had win. nothing to do with her birthday. It all had to do with her manipulating me. So what, did you cash it? No, we rip it up. There's so many little things like that that we're open to now, Brad and I. Mm-hmm. And he's proud of me when I open them and I'm mm-hmm. like, this is not at all for Rory. This is my test. And he's just like, Mm. good for you, you know? Mm. So those things I see and I feel bad for her now. You know, I do feel sad that she's gonna be like that. I often wonder if I could talk to my grandmother. Yeah. And I want to know, is she on, I don't want to say my side or her side, but where does she stand, you know? Does your mother, did your mother ever talk about her mother? Do you think I knew my grandmother? From- oh. She passed on um, when I was in college. So mm-hmm. I had her very much in my life. Um, and it's funny, I was very close to her. My grandmother painted like Bob Ross. Rob, yeah. Was that it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah I, I think, think so. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, I used to go over there and we would have soup and butter, yeah. saltine crackers, and we would paint together and I would sleep there. And it's so funny. She's like, oh, well, Christy did that all the time to my older sister. I'm like, she never did like only me and grandma did that you know and so Mm -hmm. she definitely tells stories that I just no her and my grandmother were close she definitely took but you know what my mother was the controller of my grandmother she did everything um she so your mother was manipulating both her mother and her children yeah I guess so I never really even thought about that so I definitely want to love to talk to her mm-hmm. and see, will she come through? And if she doesn't, then that's because she's like, you're wrong. So <laughs> I'm on her side. What about your dad? <laughs> yeah, so he is probably the one that hurts me the most. And he's probably the hardest one to talk about because um, I followed in his footsteps. I joined the army. He was my hero. You know, He's an only child. He grew up in a very odd family. And uh, his grand, his mother's name was Margaret, and they used to call her Aunt Mott. And so she became boss. 
So <laughs> that was my grandmother's name, Boss. It was really <laughs> weird. And she was very like prim and proper. Like when you went, you ate and you always eat ham. So I will never eat a warm ham because we always had ham <laughs> at our house. Yeah, that's like alien roast. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> and it was like two in the afternoon and you would sit and you would have to dress for dinner and stuff. So he was very prim and proper. He wasn't very close to his mom. I don't know any of my grandpas. They were, I was two when one passed away and I don't even think I was born when the other mm. one was. So um, that's interesting. He's a quiet man. He's very he likes NASCAR and he's a mechanic and he's very clean in his garage. And I think he enjoyed that my mom, we were her projects. She left him alone. Mm. So when I think she, we all started walking away from her, he was like, she's annoying me. You know, like we've had this nice little life over here and she mm -hmm. did this. And you'd always ask my dad, like, what are you doing this weekend? Well, whatever the boss tells us, you know, like it was whatever she did. So I definitely, so your mom became the boss. Oh, my mother is oh. the boss. It sounds like he's scared of her. And that's, that's it. I think yeah. he would never reach out to right. me because, and I've said to, if he were to pass before my mom, and then my mom would try to reach out to me in a good, you know, she came to a holy Jesus moment, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Then I would probably give her the time of day maybe, I don't know. But if my mom were to pass and he were to reach out to me, I would give him two fingers because he he did not find himself or, you know, stand on his own. And I mean, for the love of God, call me and ask me what happened. I literally walked out of your life and you have never had a conversation with me. And there's so many layers. I mean, I paid their, their cell phones for years and then I paid it for years after mm. until finally one day, I think it was like last year, Brad's like, I just found out your parents aren't on our cell phone anymore. They left the plan and I have been paying. Can you imagine your kids aren't speaking to you and you're still using cell phones that somebody else is paying. Like, but Brad would tell me every month, he's like, please let me. And I'm like, no, you can't. Cause I, they still held this sense over me that I had to take care of them and stuff. Nothing from him. Wow. Nothing. He's, he's probably to me the biggest piece of shit on the face of the earth. So when you were a kid, he just kind of went along with it and smiled and nodded his head. So when I was a kid, I definitely loved my dad. Like he was, you know, the worker, the provider. He was always tired, but you know, he was there at our soccer games, you know, but now as an adult, I realized it was my mom who put all that in our heads. And I would always be like, daddy never asks me about us. Well, he does. He does all the time. When we go to bed, he asks me how you guys are doing. And I remember in my heart as a kid thinking, that's nice, but I wish he'd ask me, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But I thought, oh, that's great. That must be how a marriage is. Mm -hmm. The man comes home, almost like Donna Reed type thing. You know, the dad isn't part, but he's the provider. And so, I mean, he would throw a, a soccer ball or like baseball outside and fix our bikes and stuff. And... I mean, I thought the world of him. I joined the army for him to be proud of me. We went to the same basic training. I was so proud to talk to him about it, but mm. nothing really. Wow. Did he ever say, I'm so proud of you? No, never. I've never heard that. In fact, I've never even heard that from my mom. 
I, I used to hear all the time how proud my mom was of my older sister. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I used to hear her tell me all the time, oh, you, your sister is just, she loves her cats. She, I mean, Debbie, she just takes so good care. And then I would be on the phone with her and be like, I have dogs too, and I love them very much. Like, it was never. She I'm, loves her cats. Yes, she would, <laughs> yes. And how proud she was of her and how hard she worked, but she didn't work, you know, and how it was so hard for her to be a mom. But then I would, you know, tell her I was tired of being working and I'm like, maybe I'm going to stay home with the kids. Oh, that's ridiculous, Debbie. You should. I mean, that's just insane. You've, you have these clients, you have to work, you have to work. And I'm like, I don't get it. The other two don't work. Why do I have to work? (sighs) Wow. There are so many layers. There are. So I know. I hope it's not like all over the place. No, it's beautiful. Okay. So if if somebody that's listening to this, it just resonates with them going, oh my God, that's my mom. That's my story. That's Mm -hmm. what I'm experiencing. That's what I'm, I'm starting to see all of this. And I'm putting these puzzle pieces together. Like what advice do you give them? If they're at the very beginning where you were... At forty years old, like you know, it's funny you when you say that if somebody else is out there, my my stomach just yeah. drops. There you is. know, there is. Yeah, I oh, guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it was the therapy. It was the other person hearing my story, and then relaying it back to me in ways that I never saw it. A lot of times she would say things that Brad had been saying to me for years, but I just didn't hear it. It was, and it's because I Mm -hmm. think she didn't know it. So it was like, either she's going to tell me I'm crazy and to move on, or she's going to tell me, I never thought she was going to tell me that I was abused. I Mm -hmm. never in my life, I've never saw it that way, but it is 100% abuse and still don't like saying it Mm -hmm. (laughs) It makes me want to throw up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that my therapist said, and for anyone out there who does have this thought, she said that this is one of the hardest abuses because it's mental and it's manipulating and it's underlying love. And so it could be so hard for someone to see where it was. And I guess I recommend holding on to holding on to the bad sense of I do have those text messages because when I am questioning, I'll go back and see him from the the new Deb and I'll read them and be like, oh yeah, okay, you made the right decision. Mm-hmm. Because when it is your mom and your dad, I could literally pick up the phone tomorrow and all of this be over as long as I apologize for everything and totally stick my tail between my legs. So when you're in your weakest, it's almost like an alcoholic. There are bars everywhere. I can literally pick up the phone at any given moment and say, I'm so sorry, mom and dad. And then I can get a hug from my mom again. So looking back at those text messages is the reminder so yeah, yeah I just feel like you're going crazy. Like, oh, I've just made it up these things in my mind. One hundred percent, one hundred. And that's, I think that's why I don't, I didn't, I don't want to talk about it, yeah. and I didn't want to do this because my fear isn't who's out there that's hearing me the same. It's who's out there being like, oh, are yeah. you kidding? This right. is your trauma, because I don't have the bruises or the, the you know, the sexual assault. I don't have it. I just know what I had, and I know. 
the little girl in that room, I know, I know how sad she was and how confused. I had to do a lot of talking to that little girl in therapy. I had to look in the rearview mirror and talk to her. Mm. That was not easy mm. at all. That was not easy. Inner child work is so hard. hard. Yeah. Oh, it's so hard. And I still, that's my problem. I don't know how to go back to that little girl and Mm -hmm. tell her she's going to be okay. Because when I go back to that little girl, the hurt is so there because I just, I'm so confused, you know, religion wasn't helping me, you know, like Mm -hmm. I thought my friends were all of a sudden I found this therapist and then we had to leave that therapist. Everything Mm -hmm. that was safety to me was not there. And so I feel for her and I feel bad for anyone who has this. And I wish we could get this sort of Munchausen type thing out there. And then to make the layers even crazier, I feel bad for my mom because that's the only love Mm -hmm. she knows she yeah. truly believes she's loving me the way she's supposed to. And that's sad yeah. for... It's twisted. Yeah. Right. Remember that movie, The Room? Mm-mm. It was um, the, the woman. It was like based on a true story, and it was like a woman, and she, had her, she got um, abducted and then had a son, and they were in a room, and then they got found. And then... They went home and the little boy and they were trying to like go back into the regular world. And that movie was so eye-opening for me because they went back to the room after they, you know, put the guy in jail. And the little boy just it was home. It's so amazing to me that that little girl and me, it was home. So if I were to tell her it's not right. I almost feel like I'm hurting her more because mm. that's her, mm. it's her home. It's where normal is. But can you tell her we're safe now and we're loved now, you know, and we're whole again? I can now. And that's why I wanted so badly to do this. I didn't want so badly to do this. I Let's know. be honest. I do. <laughs> I wanted to do it tonight because I wanted to see what tomorrow would bring on my birthday. I don't want to go another year doing this, you know, and I want the new chapters of my life and I want to forgive my mom and I'm working there. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I'm going to forgive her until she's gone. I just don't know. And that's just being totally raw. And that's okay. Yeah. And I truly believe the day I get that call, I'm going to breathe, like a real breathe. And that's just so weird, you know, like, it's It's, just so weird. It's not weird. It's, I'm thinking back to Nancy's story Mm -hmm. when she talked about when her abuser passed away and how she fell to her knees and screamed, I'm free. Isn't that so weird how you just long for that day? Most parent people would never want to hear that, you know. I want that day. Whether it be her here or not, you know, I just want to scream I'm free, you yeah. know. Yeah. And so, yeah. The other thing, too, is that, you know, you're only two years yeah. into your awakening. Yeah. You're just in the infant stages yeah. of just everything just peeling away and, and yeah. starting your healing. So that might be 
mm-hmm. when you know when she transitions yeah. to the to the other side that that is when you feel free but maybe possibly it might be mm-hmm. in six months in one year like yeah. so absolutely like yeah. i i completely i have no idea what you've experienced but i can understand to the level that 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 i have like of understanding that i get that right and i can respect that yeah. that you, that is something that you see as the only way that you'll find freedom yeah mm-hmm. But well, that's what's so nice about this, but like listening to other people's, it may not be the same thing, but mm-hmm. the feelings of what, you know, it does make you feel like, oh, I'm not alone. Like, yeah. you know, like yes. we're all kind of going through something and, and to know that, you know, we can feel like we get it, you know, and it makes you feel safe to be able to say weird things like that. You and know? you are safe. Yeah, I know. You guys are awesome. So. You guys are like Barbara Walters. You made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> we like to. We do. If somebody, your story resonates the fuck out of them, like, oh my God, that's me. And I have nobody to turn to. Would you be willing to be open to letting them come to you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, I don't know that I would know exactly what to say, you know what I mean, but yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it would help me it. too, you know, to hear. Yeah, because it cuz you've talked about how this is not something that's that's really reported a whole lot. No. So if somebody's like, "Oh my god, that's me." Yeah. And they have nobody to turn to. Absolutely. It would be amazing for you to just give them at least some direction and then just some support in any way that you can. Yeah. So so we would offer that to those that are mm-hmm. listening that if they if they need that that they can message us privately and that we will we will connect them with you yeah absolutely i would love that yeah i believe mental health is the main point of a ton of people's trauma you know what i mean like whether it yeah. be sexual or this or that that person needed the help that yeah. they needed and I love that you guys do this so that we can change the world. Yeah. One margarita. That's yeah. 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 Change the world one margarita at a time. I love that. Or two and three. Oh we love you so much. Thank yes. you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank, Thank you for getting me to do this. Are you okay? Yes. Yeah, well, yeah, I'll just punch you all when we're done. <laughs> follow Instagram. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs>